Hello and welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. Right now I'm joined by Anthony Ayani. We are expecting Jeremy File, but well, we saw how that went last time. <laughs> we had a three of them <laughs> on the show together. Um, but look, uh, spe- <laughs> I don't even know where to start, man. I'm so tired right now. Uh, rocking out about a solid three hours of sleep. Took me an hour to cool off after the game last night. Uh, UCLA knocking Michigan State out of the tournament, uh, ending their season. And look, man, I mean, look, we were just talking about Jeremy. You want to talk about no shows? Uh, we can talk about Michigan State a little bit last night. Um, yeah, that I, I honestly, like I said, man, I'm exhausted, so I don't even know where to start. It was just an ugly game. It appears Anthony Ayani is not with us now. Um, no. oh, Tyler? Okay, yeah, there we go. There we go. That, man. I was just saying, um, you know, I, I, I didn't fall asleep until maybe 2.45 this morning because, you know, I, there were two things I was feeling was, number one, I was I was very, I was upset because – you're up 14 points, you're up 11 at halftime, and that's the second-half performance you come up with as, as, a, as a team. And then the other part of me is like, oh, good, you know, the, 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 the nightmare is over. You know, it's time for us to move on. And so and I guess that's kind of my, my thinking right now is that, you know, we, we had every opportunity and more to close that game out last mm-hmm. night. We were up six with two minutes to go. We were up five with a minute 15 to go. And all you had to do was just box out on free th- on free throw cutouts, and that game is over. And you know, I mean, I'm 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 going to try my best not to knock on Aaron knock on Aaron Henry because, as you know, he, he was a big reason why the the streak was able to stay alive when it came to being in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But bright bright lights are on you, and you get lazy, and that's the word I'm going to use: lazy on a free throw cutout. He he didn't even box out the free throw shooter, Tyler. Like he he just stood and watched the ball, and so I know a lot of people, you know, are giving him or, or defending him, saying, "Oh well, he got us to this point." But if you're the best player on the floor, you got to make those plays because the best players on the floor make game winning plays. And unfortunately, you know that's what happened last night. And disappointing for sure, frustrating absolutely, but. You know, I think now the the main focus is going to be on who's going to be back next year. Yeah, who's not going to who who's not going to be back? And you know, you see all these rumors that Michigan State has contacted all these different portal guys. And it, honestly, I won't be shocked if we start reaching out to more guys because you know the last time we had a season like this was ten years ago, and ironically, it was UCLA who sent us home packing ten years ago, my redshirt junior year, mm-hmm. and then a year later we we had a big turnaround. So. I mean, t- t- Tom Izzo is not going to let this happen again. No, he won't. Yeah, and and you, you, yeah. No, we'll 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 talk about the um stuff and all that a little bit later. But yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, I mean, look, Aaron Henry, what he did this season, um, to me was reminiscent of what Drew Neitzel did. I think it was, was two thousand seven. Yes, 2007. 2007 just 
shouldered the load. You knew where the ball was going to go. He was the guy. Um, obviously, there's variances in their game uh, in the regard that Aaron Henry does everything. And Neitzel was just ran the show on offense. But, and there was a little less pressure on Henry, though not much um, in regards to him running the show. But yeah, he, uh, that last play when you hear Izzo um, after the game last night, and he was saying, just have Henry drive, do what he does, you know, pump fake, shoulder shimmy. Uh, and then just get in front of the basket. He's one-on-one, right or left-handed. He can go any way he wants. Mm-hmm. And that that was the plan. And, I mean, you talked about lazy on the box out. He settled for a pull-up. Yeah. And not not just settle, Tyler. He airballed the shot. Yeah. And, I mean, that's one of the – I mean, first off, that completely surprised me, um, given the fact that – yeah, and one of the things that Izzo talked about that I wasn't really a fan of last night was the whole, uh, oh, well, you know, maybe they were a little tired or whatever. You had four days rest. I've I've never been an athlete yeah. at that level. But at the same time, I mean, I talked to you, you last night. Like, man, I had like three medicated patches on my back. <laughs> I was so jacked up. <laughs> but I'm also... 35 out of shape and have had a bad back since football when I was in middle school. So mm-hmm. I'm not a 20, 22 year old kid prime of my life, just cock diesel Jack. Like I'm not <laughs> that guy. So these guys should not be feeling that exhausted. Yeah. Aaron Henry played 41 minutes, but he's been playing extensive minutes for a while. And it didn't bother him against Indiana. It didn't bother him against Michigan. He made the plays when he needed to in all of those games that ultimately led to Michigan State getting this tournament berth. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and think about this too, Tyler. When we went to the Final Four two years ago, Cassius Winston was averaging anywhere from 37 to 38 minutes a game for the, la- for the last four weeks of the season. Yeah. And I, I didn't hear anybody say it was because Cassius was tired, right. or because Matt, or because Matt McQuay was tired. And again, like I, I get it's a different year; it's a very unusual year. But you know, everybody's tired. You know, mm-hmm. Michigan's tired. Ohio State's tired. Illinois's probably tired. Mm-hmm. Um, Gonzaga's probably tired. So you know, you, you can't use fatigue as an excuse. Now, right. when that game got tighter and tighter all I could think about was the Purdue game because mm-hmm. all year, all year long we have not, we, and, and Delvon Rose said it best on, on Twitter last night when it, we, we, this team didn't know how to close out games this year. Yeah. And it, and, and it showed and how, like I looking back on it now, we were probably lucky to close out Michigan because, you know, at home because Michigan made that run and luckily Gabe Brown made his free throws and Isaiah livers bricked a game time three pointer at the end. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, this team, whenever they got tight, whenever the game got tight, they just crumbled. And you can't have that on a team. And if if you have a team like that that crumbles in 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 um in tight game situations, it just tells me you're not mentally tough enough. And 
and I think that was the one special thing about the Final Four team two years ago was that when games got tight, that team that team didn't crumble. They were they got so better. Mental, they, they, exactly, Tyler. They got better, and they were so mentally tough. And and I think Bill Raftery put it best after they beat Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. You know, he said Tom Izzo told me that this this may not want to be one of his most talented teams, but from a toughness standpoint, they are so mentally tough. That's what separates them from everybody else. And it showed. It mm-hmm. showed throughout the tournament. It showed, you know, even last year, Cash is a senior year. So, so, but for whatever reason, this team just didn't have the it factor this year. They didn't have that identity this year. And, yeah. and as you know, Michigan State basketball has always, has always been about toughness. Mm-hmm. And that toughness this year was just gone. And and it's it and as a former player, you know, it's tough to see that because you play that when you play at Michigan State, it's all on toughness, whether it's mentally or physically. And, and as a former player, it's just really tough for me to see that this year. Yeah, and I think uh, you know I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about that you know I ultimately f- forgot about because, like I said, I've been uh, you know. I only got like three and a half, three hours of sleep last night. Um, <laughs> but I went back and I looked through the entire schedule. You know, I, I didn't like go back and look at the circumstances surrounding each game. But you look at every close win that Michigan State had. Every close win. They had a solid lead going down the stretch. And mm-hmm. it, it was one of those prevent defense type wins um you know to tie it to football it, it was one of those situations where you hold on to the ball a little bit longer you mm-hmm. chase them off the three-point line and you, you let them get a cheesy layup if you need yeah th- that those were the type of wins that michigan state had none of them were really one of those ones where all right this is a this is a gut check None of them were. None of them were those ones that went back and forth. That Ohio State game, yeah, that ended up being close, but Michigan State had a pretty solid lead going down the stretch. And, you know, same thing with the Michigan game that you talked about. Yeah, the score looked close, but the game wasn't that close. And this team just never had any of those experiences where they ended up coming out on top. No, you're absolutely right. And and I think the other reason for that too is that you didn't have that you didn't have that leader this year either. Mm. And I think that's and I think that was the one thing that you know Cassius Winston always brought to the table was Cash was just such a great leader. Like th- th- there's no denying he was a great leader. Matt McQuaid was a great leader. Mm-hmm. Kenny Goins was a great leader. Um Safier Tillman. You know yeah, X, Xavier Tillman, um, Kyle Arns. Like those guys that just named off, they were they were just good le- they were they weren't good leaders, they were great leaders. And you know, and I think that was the one thing two years ago with the Final Four team was that those like Kenny and, and, and Matt McQuaid were such great seniors and such great leaders, guys followed them. Because if you follow great leadership, you know, you're gonna go ahead and do some great things as a group. And we didn't have that guy this year. You know, I was hoping it was going to be Josh Langford, but, you know, Josh had been through, has, had been through so much the last two years 
I didn't see that leadership right. out of him. And, and, you know, if, you know, I know a lot of guys say foster lawyer is a great leader, but again, foster can only do so much, you know, he can only do so much from the bench with a bad wing right now. Yeah. And in Aaron Henry, I don't know, man. It's just like, you know, Aaron was hot and cold sometimes when it came to that, you know, and, and the other thing too, Tyler, and, and then um, I'll go back to you is that I don't know if you saw this, but I had a lot of people texting me this last night. How much, how much of finger pointing did you see among, amongst that, amongst that team last night? Oh yeah. You I mean, saw- that, yeah. I, yeah. Like you, you saw the same thing that I saw. You saw guys bickering at each other. You saw guys finger pointing at each other. I mean, you just saw guys getting after each other. And I was like, I was like, this is not what Michigan State does. Like, if it's somebody's fault, just say my bad. I got the next one. But instead of pointing fingers and blaming the other person, like that's what disappointed me the most last night. And that's why another reason why I think you know we may have lost that game last night was because. Guys didn't hold each other accountable last night. Instead, they just wanted to blame somebody else for their mistakes. And so that, I thought that was really disappointing to see. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about the leadership, and there's different ways to lead. You know, Cassius led by example and got people involved. You know, Foster yeah. Lawyer, you, you can lead from the bench, but that only goes so far. Davey mm-hmm. or Tillman led on the court. Like, there's different ways to do that. And Michigan State didn't have one guy who did any of those. Um, then you talk about the finger pointing and stuff like that. Like, look, we, we got to talk about it. Jeremy wanted to talk about it and he wanted to go and I didn't want to, I honest, because I don't, I just don't think it's relevant ultimately is, you know, the scene that we saw before halftime, um, that kind of, you know, once they got the video from uh, inside the building, it kind of obviously went all the way to the locker room. Um, the Gay Brown situation, Izzo pulling on the jersey, that type of thing. Now, look, I don't think it's a big deal because honestly, look, I pulled the kid's jersey in my first year of coaching last year because he cussed me out after an 18-point win. So I was a little PO'd, and yeah, I grabbed him as he tried to walk by me. He just cussed me out and kept going. I was like, no, that's not going to fly. And you talk about that finger-pointing. What? The situation that kind of went around that, though, was Gabe Brown was supposed to switch with Malik Hall um, at the end of that half. Mm Mm-hmm. All game, all at least like all the entire first half, I saw it too. Even though the first half was obviously Michigan State's better one, all through the first half, I saw it where they would run that screen right behind the on-ball defender, right at the top of the key. They would run that cross screen, run somebody across the court, have their big set a screen like right at the top of the three-point line, right behind the uh, on-ball defender. And every single time that was being run, everybody had like five feet of space for half a second. Mm -hmm. Like it looked very, it looked like Michigan State didn't prepare, but obviously, you know, you play for Tom Izzo, he's as well prepared as anybody. Yeah, and and he is. And and obviously that's the player not reading the scouting report. That's the player not doing their homework. And so, I mean, 
because and that's the thing like you know if people want to blame the coaching staff that's fine but I'm not going to blame Coach Izzo, Fife, you know, DJ or Garland because, you know what, they prepared those guys. They're not out there calling switches. They're not out there communicating. And well, you can tell that early on. Right. But, like, when, when if you look at earlier in the game, Tyler, he got on, you know, Coach Izzo got on Malik, Mahal, uh, Malik Hall early because he was lazy on defense. He wasn't making the correct switches or the correct assignments at the time. And so, but, you know, and I want to go with the halftime thing, man. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, when we talk about Juwan Howard charging after, you know, Mark Turgeon last week, every, think about this, the national media did not, said nothing about it, said nothing about it. But then, you know, once the halftime, I'm not going to call it an incident, what, once, once, what, once the halftime confrontation happened, I was like, I texted a bunch of people. I said, watch, this will be a national story now. Mm-hmm. And it became a national story. But here's the difference, though. If you take away the Skip, ba- if you take away the Skip Bayless and the Shannon Sharps of the world, if you listen to Jay Williams on ESPN or if you listen to Stephen A. Smith, even Max Kellerman, they were all like, this is not a big deal. Yeah. Like, what are, like, what, what, what are we, what are we talking about here? And because, you know, I obviously I had no issue with it because number one, they're getting after each other. Gabe Brown said something to Coach Izzo, and then he tried to walk off, and then Coach Izzo was like, "No, I'm not done with you." Like if you if you do that as a player, if you walk away from a coach while he's still trying to talk to you, that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. It is. You know this as a coach, and I know this as a coach. <laughs> if you have if or or earlier in the year we saw it with um. We saw it with Dane Fife and Rocket Watts at Northwestern. Rocket walked off the floor. Dane Fife's trying to, you know, you know, um, trying to give him, you know, get get him going, give him some confidence. He tries to give him a high five. Rocket walked right, right past him, and I saw I saw Coach Fife give him the "Are you serious?" look. Mm-hmm. I saw that, and I go, I said, that is so disrespectful. And so, if, if people had, if, if if people in our society, whoever saw that last night, and they have a really serious problem with that. I suggest that you do your homework on Michigan State because that's how we're coached. That's how we're taught. But at the end of the day, Tom Izzo, he'll get at you. It's a heated moment. But at the end of the day, he's going to walk up at the end of the game, pat you on the back, give you a hug, and say, hey, good work. And you know what? Gabe Brown didn't go in the tank in the second half. He was aggressive. He didn't fall off the map. I thought he did a good job. Well, and again, but it's it's where we're at today in society, Tyler. Like, and, and for fo- and for folks who are listening, like again, like if you don't if you feel if you don't feel about this way, then I'm sorry. Like, I can't change your mind. But you know, we as a society have gotten so soft that we can't even let our own kids be coached by a coach. We can't take criticism, you know, without having an excuse. And so, you know, I I, I applaud, you know. The analysts like Stephen A. Smith, like Max Kellerman, like like Jay Williams, because Jay Williams has known Tom Izzo for a long time. And you know what? You got to give Ernie Johnson, Andy Katz, and Charles Barkley some credit too, because they defended it. And then Kenny Smith was like, "Oh no, I didn't like that." It's like, come on, like you know what? It's it it wasn't as bad as what you thought it was. So, but again, I I have no issue with it. It's just who he is. And by now, everybody should have no problems with Tom Izzo because that's how he coaches. Yeah, and I mean, 
look, I, I mean, I had a situation this past season while I was coaching where I was trying to instruct a kid uh, during a scrimmage on where he's supposed to be setting his screens and everything else. And, you know, later that night, I get a text from his mom, you know, saying he's thinking about quitting. I never yelled at the kid. I have, I had a mask on per district rules. And so I was talking louder so he could hear me while the action was going on in the background because the scrimmage was still playing. And he thought about quitting just because I was saying, no, man, you're not supposed to set your screen down at the elbow. You're supposed to be up top. And I mean, you're right. It's soft. It's soft. You know, my, my, my favorite, my favorite quote that somebody told me, Tyler, when it comes to players and coaches and, and, I, and I tell this to our players all the time, and I tell this to college players whenever I talk to them. If a, coach is ta- if a coach is talking to you, if a coach says something to you, it means he cares. Mm-hmm. If, he's not, if he's not saying anything to you, then you need to worry. Yeah, because he's giving and, up. Yeah, you, you're, you're right. And, like, and it's called tough love. You know, if you can't take criticism, if you can't take criticism from a coach – whether it's a middle school, a high school, or a college coach, then how are you going to take criticism in the real world at a day job from a nine-to-five job? How are you going to take criticism if you do a presentation? So, so like with me, Tyler, my presentations, like if somebody wants to criticize me for what I do, that's fine. I welcome it because you want to know why? I can handle it. If somebody says to me, oh, well, you need to try to do this more in your presentation or your presentation wasn't that good today because of this. It's like, okay, cool. Tell me what I screwed up on and I'll do it better next time. Go watch me. Yes. So, but again, if we, do, if we do that today, like you said, it either results in excuses or it results in somebody wanting to quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, look, a couple of years ago, you know, Tom Izzo went through the same thing. Got berated mm-hmm. by Shannon Sharp in the same way, which really surprises me considering the fact he did play in the NFL, and I'm sure it was not so nice at times. Right. But, <laughs> you know, it, it was about Aaron Henry, and he comes out and he carries Michigan State past Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cassius hit a string of like eight straight points. Um, but ironically, Gabe Brown had 16 that game as well. And obviously Gabe Brown was the quote unquote victim today or yeah, last night. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I thought Gabe saying how quickly Gabe barked back, you know, it looked like he was making excuses and not saying, okay, this is what I saw. Right. And so that to me led that to me was the tipping point. It wasn't anything that Izzo did. It was Gabe John back the way that he did. That, I mean, right. th- that's what it looked like to me. And look, I love Gabe Brown. He's one of my favorite players on the team, probably top two or three, <laughs> but it, it's what it, it is what it is. You know, it, like I said, it looks like it just started with him in that situation. Um, well, there's not a lot else to talk about. You know, it was the defense. It was the leadership. It was the mistakes a little bit. Um, but there it was, are it two, was the little things. Yeah, but there it are the two things. players on this team that 
look, they were they they were a big reason for it. And one of them, I kind of feel a little bit bad for. Joey Hauser is not that one. If we're being brutally honest, Joey Hauser's defense last night, atrocious per usual. Uh, for being a great passer. And I think that was it, too. The hype that you heard from Tom Izzo about Joey Hauser and his playmaking ability. Best big man passer since Magic and stuff like that. Joey Hauser's first pass this year went to Tom Izzo. His very first pass. (laughs) First time he touched the ball, it hit Tom Izzo right in the chest on the bench. It was a great pass. I mean, if you're looking for the guy who's out of bounds, wearing, you know, a track jacket. But his last pass, an entry fee to Aaron Henry was off the mark too. And so I think that the hype that was given to him coming in, and then I anticipated him to be bad on defense. I didn't think he was going to be as bad as he's been this year. And then, you know, everyone expected Rocket Watts to develop. And obviously, look, those two guys carried Michigan State past Michigan. You know, and Rocket carried Michigan State past Duke. But those two guys are for are the biggest what-ifs, in my opinion, in regards to how the season went. You know, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with Joey Hauser before I get to, to Mark Watts. I'm, I'm calling him Mark, you know, for, for the duration of the show. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> see, I'm so tired. But, I forgot you know, a rule. That's been our rule on the show is we call him Mark unless he balls out. <laughs> well, you, I have the I have the same uh, rule with a couple of buddies of mine. <laughs> so we great, great minds think alike, man. Um, but let me let me start with Joey Hauser. Um, first and foremost, you know there was a lot of hype on him, and you know, and I think that I think we all got caught up in the hype. We really did. But I think the other piece of it is, too, and this is just my opinion, I think he was playing a little bit out of position, to be honest, because we, we, don't, have, we don't have that true post player. We don't have that true post presence like with a Nick Ward, like with a, um, a Derek Nix and Adrian Payne. Because think about this, Tyler. Um, if, you go back to, um, if you go back to when there was Nick Ward – Jaron Jackson on the floor together. Nick was the main post guy. Post guy. Jaron was the four. If you go back to the final four year, Nick Ward, post player. Kenny Goins, four. Or Nick Ward in the post. And then Xavier Tillman on the, on, at the four spot. I just think Joey was playing out of position, in my opinion. And, that, that, and that's not an excuse to his performances on both, on both ends, you know. He needs to get better at some things, but you know. But what I what I did like what I did like what he did last night, and this is something that no other player on the team did that I saw. He went on Instagram last night, and he put on his Instagram story, and just a blank black screen that read "Sorry, Spartan Nation." And he, the kid, cares. It's obvious he cares, and I think he's going to have a good off season. And I think he's going to come back better than ever next year because, you know, you know, maybe COVID-19 hit him hard mentally, you know, like a lot of guys, you know, it could have. And again, I'm not using that as an excuse, but some guys are wired differently. So 
I, I think, you know, with a full off season, uh, you know, from between now and September, whenever the preseason starts, you know, it's going to be on him to get in the gym and work on things. And, and, and he's a gym rat, man. He'll get in there and work on it. So I, 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 I have faith that Joey Hauser will be what I, what I saw in those practices a couple of years ago when he was working on the scout team. I think as if he could just play loose and just play free, like he'll be fine. Like no hype, nothing, nothing to lose. I think he'll be okay. In, now in regards to Mark Watts, um, I, I don't know what his deal was this year, man. I, I really don't. And, I don't know if it was because he didn't get the opportunity in the offseason to work more at the point guard spot. I don't know if it was because, you know, he was in his own head. But again, like you talk about really hot and cold. Show up for the Michigan game, fantastic. Show up for the Duke game, cool. But then when you're playing opponents that are not as good as you, like Rutgers, like Minnesota, like Northwestern, and you know show it, that there's a bigger problem. If you do that, and if you're supposed to be this great player that people were saying you are, where was that all year? And so I, I think personally, I think it's an attitude thing with him. Um, you know, we saw with how he handled coach Fife against Northwestern, like I talked about earlier. And again, that's an issue. So I'm going to be interested to see what he does because you know, I think, and this is just my opinion, I think it's 50-50 that, you know, he's gone, you know, in my opinion. Because, again, I don't know if he couldn't handle the pressure, but here's the thing. Keith Appling was moved to point guard. Mm -hmm. And Keith Appling, Keith, you know, Keith handled it just fine. He turned out to be a pretty good point guard. You know, so he handled it well. Now, whether, whether Rocket Washer said, no, I'm not a point guard, like, if that was his thinking, you know, going into the season, like I'm not a point guard. Why am I playing the Why am I playing the point guard spot? If that was his thinking, then that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, it tells you all you need to know. Yeah, and look, Appling was the same type of player Watts was. You know, Watts comes in last year, and he's that defensive stopper. He's that lockdown guy. You know, he he is the guy. <laughs> he's yep. the backup point guard. And that's exactly the role that Appling was in. You know, he was the backup point guard, but he was like the two guard, the defensive stopper. And that's what he did. And so I think that was a transition that I was kind of expecting. And, you know, when Watts came in, he came in as like a combo guard. And so this year, when you look at it, you know, I mean, when Cassius was gone, everyone knew they – he was supposed to be the guy to kind of take over that look foster good backup point guard this year. Uh, but the last two years wasn't that great. And so we kind of anticipated Watts as okay, this is watch show. He needs to know what's going on this summer. And when you look at it, when he's playing the two, he looks like he's trying to play point guard when he's playing point. It looks like he's trying to play two. It's just the weirdest Mm-hmm. weirdest thing that I've seen on a basketball course since Dennis Rodman. And I just can't understand how he plays both positions, but he plays them at the wrong time. You know, he needs to run and he needs mm-hmm. to get downhill. And that's when he was effective last night. And la- then when he starts chucking threes, all of a sudden, that's when the tides start. Well, that plus Joey Hauser coming in. That's when the tides started turning. 
Like well, I'm not, there I'm... were two plays too, Tyler. Th- there were two plays from Watts last night that really upset me. It was toward the end of the first half last night. He called instead of a instead of Marcus Bingham coming up and setting a pick and roll for him as the shot clock got as the shot clock was winding down. He called an ISO, and he jacked up like a twenty five foot three. And I was like, I was like, who who are you to call an ISO? That's not what we do. Marcus Bingham was supposed to come up, set a good screen, and like you said, Tyler, you can go downhill and make a play at the basket. That's what the purpose of the Florida play is for. You know, four low, big man comes up, sets a screen, not calling an ISO and, and shooting a 25-foot three, and it cost us two points soon, later after that. And then toward the end of the game last night, we're up three, and we get a loose ball on our end. Rocket Watts gets the loose ball at the three-point line. He hesitates, looks, hesitates again, and then jacks it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, a smart, you know, a point guard or, um, you know, a smart player would know clock, clock and clock and score situation, how much time is left in the shot clock, pull it out and regroup with 15 seconds left in the shot clock. Let's try to get something better than, Hey, I'm going to hesitate. Look again, hesitate and then jack up a shot that didn't even hit the rim. Yeah. Like those, those were the two plays that really upset me the most last night with him. Yeah, and I mean, you said he didn't call for a pick and roll, but the thing is, man, when he calls for one, he's waiting for the defense to be set, especially if he catches yeah. it on the wing. He waits too long. Like when you're a point guard, you need to try to position your man to take that. But when you're off the ball, it's yep. easier for that screener to come up and you know hit the defender, and. So he catches it, that screen comes, and he sits there and he waits for the defense to kind of, for the, you know, big to hedge. And it's just like, dude, just take off. You're faster than everybody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, look, one of the big storylines that we're going to follow, um, look, Michigan State has reached out to, uh, is it Northeastern? Northeastern's point guard. He averages, I think, 18 a game. Um, Yep. They reached out to John Harar. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. He averaged about nine and nine a game for Penn State. Uh, would add um, some more in regards to big men. And the reason we're covering this a little bit is because in basketball, it's more of an impact. You know what these guys are capable of. You see them all the time. You know, this isn't like... You know, we, we haven't talked about this type of stuff. and We've talked about the transfer portal and the attrition coming from the Mel Tucker thing. But we haven't talked about, you know, oh, this guy's going to bring this. This guy's going to bring that and what the positions look like next year. Because look, we don't know what a guard from Duke is going to bring to the table. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so we, we don't talk about that. And me and Jeremy are both basketball guys. Anthony obviously has done a little bit in regards to that as well. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're talking about those two guys. Marcus Carr and Baby Mashburn both left uh, yep. Minnesota. And Marcus Carr, I think, is going to be the premier name in the transfer portal this year. Marcus Carr is a phenomenal all-Big Ten first-team talent point guard. And if Tom 
and I put it on Facebook. I saw you liked it. Tom Izzo does not call him. If Tom Izzo has not talked to him the second that name came in, you know, Tom Izzo really needs to reevaluate what he's doing. But ultimately, look, there's three guys coming in next year. For sure. And Christy Akins and Brooks. You have a potential fourth in Bates. You reached out to a big. I think there was a wing that was reached out to. You reached out to that uh, to Harar at Penn State. You reached out to that Northeastern guard, and I think there was a wing too. The kid, kid from Indiana. Yeah. So you've already reached out to three other people. All three play different positions on the floor. You're looking at at least six pending baits, maybe seven people. But with Langford gone, and I'll assume you're going to just take Hoiberg's scholarship back. You know, I mean, that type of stuff mm-hmm. happens. I think it happened with Connor George, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think it did. Yeah. You're going to take, you know, the walk-on who you rewarded this year. And I'm pretty sure his dad's okay footing the bill a little bit to let his kid play basketball. You, That's seven people, but only two scholarships available right now. Obviously, Aaron Henry, um, I've talked to you before. You, I mean, this isn't AI breaking news inside stuff, but it's just your gut feeling Henry's going to go. And it's mine too. When you test the waters one year, you come back, you are planning to go the next. That's just the way it is. So there's three scholarships right there. I mean, you have to clear up at least three more. Yeah. And and honestly, Tyler, like, I wouldn't be – at this point, I would not be shocked, you know, if if three more guys end up transferring. That, that, again, that's that's just my opinion. Like, I don't know anything. I have not heard anything. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let everybody who's listening know right yeah. now because I don't. Yeah, I don't well, like I said, going, it wasn't oh, well, inside stuff. It's just right, and like, and I think, um, and if you go to Rivals um, or Twenty Four Seven Sports, um, there was an article about how you know, and you saw this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of Justin's uh, last name, but uh, Thin or Corey Robinson worked something. Today. Yeah, yeah, Justin. Th- yeah, Justin Thin. So. He wrote the article about how Michigan State basketball has reached out to guys in the portal and how, you know, is there is there change on the way? And so he he wrote that article and I retweeted it. And but, you know, again, all this was happening before the tournament even started. And so and and Tom Izzo put it best a month ago. Mm -hmm. He said he said guys are up for auditions right now. Yeah. And there could be some and there could be some changes because because, again, Tyler, you know, you know this, and, and a lot of our true fans know this. Tom Izzo's not going to go through another season like this again. Nope. He's not going to do that. He, he's going to try and find a way and more to make sure that next year is championship robust, in my opinion. Not, not a national championship. You know, if, if, you know, if Amani Bates comes on board and, you know, and, we, and we have a great, incredible start to the season, then, then maybe you could talk about it a little bit more. But, you know, baby steps for next year. First. Yeah, let's at least solidify right the point now, guard spot. <laughs> right, yeah. Let, 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 let's, get, let's get a point guard in here first. Because if, if, you look at, if you look at Michigan right now, they had absolutely nothing coming in this year from the point guard spot. 
What did they do? They went out and got Mike Smith, who's not a great scorer, but he handles the ball, he passes the ball, and he runs the offense like an experienced guard and floor general should do. Mm-hmm. And it's worked wonders for Michigan. They got um, they got the Brown kid from Wake Forest. He hasn't been as, as effective as a scorer, but from a defense and a rebounding standpoint, uh-huh. he's been he's, a, he's made fantastic. a huge impact. Yeah, he he's he's been incredible. And so, you know, and, and obviously we talked to Jeremy about this. Michigan's going to go after that point guard from Rhode Island because, you know, if they got they're losing eight seniors and they got eight freshmen coming in. Like Michigan's going to be super young next year and very inexperienced. So. There's a reason why they're going to try and go get an experienced point guard. Again, somebody's got to lead the young guys, mm-hmm. you know, and just like this year, we didn't have that experienced point guard to lead some of our younger guys, younger and experienced guys. So, you know, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. And, you know, my wish list is at least one point guard from the portal and one big that can make an immediate impact. And, you know, and obviously the number one on everybody's list right now is Imani Bates, which in my opinion, the way the stars are lining up, you know, he said publicly he doesn't want to go to the G League. He doesn't want to go overseas. And, you know, if he wants to get better and be better and maybe add some toughness to him, I'm not saying he's not tough, but add even more toughness to the kid, then I think a year in college is going to do you wonders. Because think about this, Tyler. If he wants to go to the league within a year, because let, let's be honest, he – He's he's NBA ready. If he was if he was eligible this year, him and Kay Cunningham would be one and two in the draft, or be the other way yeah. around. I mean, there, there's no there's no getting around that. So if he wants to get to the league quicker, the best thing for him to do is probably go the college route mm-hmm. because again, the G League route. There's nothing against the G League, but he'll destroy that competition, and I think he knows that because you know he said it earlier this year. If it's easy for him, he'll think about reclassifying. He averaged almost 26 a game, and he was first-team All-American as a junior in high school again. I think that counts as easy standards for him. Yeah. But it's, I, I said it best last night. This may be the most interesting offseason of Michigan State basketball I think we've ever endured um, during, to- during Coach Izzo's tenure. I think it's going to be very interesting, and, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be on what what goes on, you know, the next month and a half in that uh, at Michigan State. Yeah, and I know that. Look, I've I've had talks about you know, oh, Marcus Bingham's going to transfer, but the way he's played lately, I kind of don't want him to. And he, you, you he's know played well. You know what? I I know I know, and I, and I sorry to interrupt, but you know me, I, I I wasn't the biggest Marcus Bingham fan this season, but from what I what what I saw with him the last two weeks. I saw a kid that has matured. Mm-hmm. I saw a kid that got better. And I saw a kid that made a great impact. And so I'm, I will give credit where credit's due. I thought Marcus Bagum did an incredible job. And like you, part of me is saying, you know what? I would like to see him stick around and see what he can do next yep. year. It- and, you know, it. so we'll, we'll see. You know, but I, I – he, I thought he did a better job this, these last two weeks. He definitely impressed me. That's for sure. Yeah, Michigan State needs to solidify that center spot. Uh, I think the power forward set with Hall and Hauser. It's just a matter of getting them to play consistently. Um, look, the wish list for Michigan State in no particular order right now this offseason. <laughs> Marcus Carr, Ramoni Bates, and keep Marcus Bingham. 
as as far as I'm concerned, that's that's the route that they need to look at. Um, but yeah. yeah, and we'll obviously talk about that as the season progresses. Uh, me and Jeremy, at some point, uh, we're going to be talking about Michigan. No one cares about a one sixteen game. Let's be honest, unless you're Virginia or UMBC. <laughs> so uh, look, Michigan's going to win, and then uh, we'll talk about you know Michigan's game against say Bonaventure or LSU uh, coming up, which really quick because I've literally got like less than a minute left before I have to get back into, you know, my paying job is I think it'd be <laughs> hilarious if Juan Howard got knocked out by a coach that's paying their kids. Um, <laughs> that's just me. Let's go Tigers. But look, we'll uh, obviously address that stuff as it happens during the off season. Uh, Anthony, man, obviously, you know, thank you again for coming on and we'll have you on as this type of stuff breaks down because look, there's potentially six, big time roster changes coming in East Lansing at least. And, you know, each, each one's just going to, I think, create Michigan state that much closer to a championship because look, this is a good team. Just mentally, they weren't ready yet. Young team only had one senior. So, uh, you know, a little more experience and then adding a talent, like adding a talent at the very least, like Christie, I think would be absolutely huge. And then whatever uh, transfer point guard you get, but uh, that does it for us on Trouble with the Snap. Uh, for Anthony Ayani, I am Tyler Hayward. Michigan State's done, but, you know, we'll still be covering Michigan. Like I said, it's going to be a busy offseason for the Spartans on the hardwood, so we'll talk about that and uh, get ready for a little spring football coming up here. But, uh, yeah, that does it on Trouble with the Snap podcast. Again, for Anthony Ayani, thank you again for coming on. I am Tyler Hayward.